We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How are we doing today? It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk, the special edition, Friday edition of Rapid Fire, for which we're still seeking names. And uh, we've got a contest, a little contest going. Of course, Vince Dario, Jesse Styers, I'm Sean Styers. We've uh, seen Tommy Guns and Anthony have already thrown a couple suggestions at us. We've had some other suggestions, and there is a uh, someone locally has drone, drone, drone. <laughs> He's an artist, and he's drawn ah. this uh, pictures of the Golden Dome, and uh, so he is offering that as a uh, oh Jesse's got it big time Jesse. So this Ooh. is what is being offered as the prize really for uh, for naming the show. Yeah, How this guy is donating those? this as a prize for uh, for whoever wins the name competition for this show. Man. What do you think, Vince? Uh, I think I'm being left out in the cold. That's what I think. I, so if I come up with the name, do I get to do I get that? Because that's sweet, man. <laughs> I know that'd look good in any home. I'm telling you, any I man know. cave, any you know living room, it it, it could serve a lot of purposes. Here. Shoot, that's right. That's awesome. Jesse is our court stenographer today. He is to uh, if we get name suggestions for this show, name the show. That's your prize. I'll show you one more time. That's your prize. That's awesome. Oh, it's already gone. There it is. Okay. Well, it's gone. So, yeah. So, we'll throw that up, <clears throat> excuse me, later on in the show as well. Be sure to hit the like button. I know Brian and Ryan, it sounded like we're uh, going late once again. I mean, we um, moved the show back 30 minutes. Yes, we did. And they were still, still butting right up against this show. We'll see if that's good for us or not, I guess. <laughs> More people are joining in right now. So hit the like button and let the world know. That's right. How are you today, Vince? I'm doing great. It was a, uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, it was a hell of a week at, at uh, my other job. And so I can, I, I have to tell you that I am very happy that it's Friday and uh, that I get to hang out with the two of you because uh, my day was very interesting. My week was very interesting. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for you, Vince, uh, it is it is getting towards that time for high school students. Mm. So I just feel like the the eagerness and the the urge to want to do bad things is at an all time high. Yes, I, I would say pretty much from Thanksgiving through Christmas or to Christmas, it has been. I, I was given a piece of advice: expect the worst every day you walk in, and uh, I my expectations have been exceeded huh. pretty much daily. So. The wild ones just keep getting wilder. Interesting. I didn't realize that Thanksgiving to Christmas is <laughs> is that time. It is very right. interesting. And I, I, I got to send you something, Jesse, until you'll understand how my week was. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's see if I can find that real quick. Well, let's get started right now. We, you know, speaking of the last week being interesting, really, we can, like, as far as Notre Dame is concerned, it goes beyond that. So fill yeah. in the blank with this first question to start us off tonight. Notre Dame's last two weeks have been blank nuts and I don't I, I at first I wanted to say expected but it's really not expected because the you know some of the decommitments or potential decommitments however you want to phrase it have been surprising to me because Notre Dame has done a very good job of, of putting this class together 
And to be honest with you, even with the defection of Keon Keeley and uh, Davis Swain, and I guess potentially Bowen, still a really, really good class. And people need to understand that. It's still a really, really good class. But it, it is still a little bit surprising the way things have kind of gone down over the last couple of weeks. Uh, definitely surprising, you know, that, that Drew Pine left when he left and some of the things that have gone on in that direction. It's also, frankly, it's surprising that Tyler Buckner was going to be available in this game. I, I True. That's surprising to me. I, I was not anten- anticipating that. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's been surprising kind of how things have gone over the last couple of weeks. No doubt about it. Yeah, so for me, I'm just going to stick to the, the week has the, the last two weeks have been uh, eventful, um, and obviously, when when you have uh, you know your starting quarterback leave, you have a quarterback you know a, a quarterback that's been hurt. Now getting back into the mix of things, uh, you have some other transfer portal guys leave. You've had some some flip of some commitments, but my thing is is with the commitments is it's always going to be expected that you're going to lose some guys right at the deadline, just like they'll probably gain maybe a guy or two here at the deadline. And so it, I guess it, it's not, it's not to like, you know, discount the fact that you don't want to lose anyone and, and potentially, you know, obviously with Bowen being, you know, what, at least what I've seen a top 10 recruit in the entire country. Um, and obviously a big five-star recruit, you don't want to lose those sort of guys at the end of the day. So it's eventful and it's going to get even more eventful oh, yeah. um, in the next you know, couple of days as well. So be interesting to see how everything shakes out. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, Notre Dame will end up being kind of net neutral, right? I think they might lose someone, but they might pick up someone. So it'll be closer to neutral than I think what people will realize. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You know, you talk about like you expect to lose some recruits and then you're going to pick some up. You're right. But like if you lose Peyton Bowen, it's a little bit like, you know, let's let's go back to the to the late 80s when I was in high school and the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue was still a thing. It's like you think you've got a date with L McPherson and then you end up with, you know, your your run of the mill you know, whoever from science class, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, Hey, Shirley, how you doing? You know, it's like, there's a big difference there from, from one to the next in this whole thing. It's just like, you know, it's been like 1985 and there's a national inquirer dedicated to Notre Dame or something, <laughs> you know, it's like, you you know, remember you, like you used to go to the grocery store, 
And you'd see the, the National Enquirer headlines there, and it's like, aliens abduct Notre Dame quarterback. Parents say he was snatched in the night. Friends say he had an alien obsession all along, you know, or, or like high school quarterback star or high school football star beguiled by Oklahoma cult. Was it for love or money? You know, it's just like crazy splash headlines. But it's all happened in the last two weeks. And it started exactly two weeks ago today with the whole Drew Pine thing. And it's just nuts. And, you know, 99% of Notre Dame football fans are on the ledge of a building right now. And I guess if I'm staying <laughs> with my 1980s metaphor, it's like, you know, you've got Martin Riggs up there on the roof with you. And he's going to handcuff himself to you. And you're both just going to go off together Ooh, look at is you. what it's like right now. So it's it's just like it's one thing when a guy like Drew Pine makes that kind of decision. That was shocking. That was a jolt to the system. I I would never have envisioned that happening like the way it did. You know, yeah. we, I, we we've talked about it, but you could see him maybe packing up after the spring and saying, "Okay, you know, you brought in a, a transfer quarterback. I competed for the job. Now I'm going to go someplace else." You know, Sayonara. He's probably got his degree at that point. He doesn't at this point. But then like all this stuff with and I mean, we can we can kind of jump into this conversation here if you want. I know a lot of people have been having it, and I, I'm not sure exactly, you know, how much Brian has touched on it. But obviously, NIL is being used for things other than what it was intended for. Sure, you know, and and that's that's why we are where we are right now. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like you're losing a big, highly touted five-star recruit and potentially a four-star guy as well, who is also very highly touted, obviously. You're losing them because the system changed because the NCAA was essentially too gutless to regulate it to begin with. I, I completely agree with that. It's very frustrating, and people need to understand that Notre Dame is not going to be in the business of writing blank checks to kids. So it's never going to happen. So, I mean, it, you're either going to have to change your allegiance to a different team if that's what you want, or you're going to have to just understand that Notre Dame is not going to participate in that. Now, here's the other thing. Who's the, the biggest culprit of handing out NIL money? It's Texas A&M, right? There's mm -hmm. a reason that they lead all schools in transfers right now. They're the already leading. Portal. That's right. So I guess the way I'm looking at it is, you know, Dante Moore, for example, commits to Oregon because of the NIL deal and he's already looking at a different school. He hasn't even signed on the dotted line yet. There's going to be way, way, way less loyalty to a school that these guys are going to because they're just going for the money and they're not going to stick around. So I, I just, I feel more comfortable if, if guys are willing to sign on the dotted line for Notre Dame, they're going to stick around unless Notre Dame tells them that they don't want them anymore. They're going to stick around. I would rather have that than sign these guys, give away all this money, and then just have them leave when at the first sign of uh, you know adversity because that's what's going to happen to a lot of these kids. And so sign me up for being a Notre Dame fan right now. That's that's where I'm at. That's how what I believe. And if we lose a couple of these high-profile guys, so be it. I guarantee you a bunch of these guys are going to end up in the transfer portal at some point anyway. Well, that, that still doesn't help Notre Dame get closer to national championships if that's the goal. You know, I'm obviously not blaming Marcus Freeman, you know, for, for losing out on a on a guy if if money is the reason and everything points to money being the reason. I mean, there's there's only so much you can do. And they're out there, they're still plugging away, like they're still fighting. I said last night with Brian, you know, to use another movie analogy, this is like an independence day when Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum went up into the mothership there. You know, and they and they dock and all that stuff, and they're like hiding, and you know they're trying to, you know, instill the the virus. You know, it's like the 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 last ditch, last resort thing. Marcus Freeman going into uh, Peyton Bowen's house last night. It ended up working, you know. So can Marcus Freeman somehow rescue this? I mean, if he does, he's the savior of saviors, <laughs> basically at this point. But it's just not looking good right now. There's a couple of things that I kind of wanted to talk about. And you brought up that comment that said the NCA didn't see this coming. 
You know, I, I completely thought or think the NCAA saw this coming and they are completely okay with how this is blowing up in everyone's faces because of they say it's like, okay, you guys, you guys want these things and then we're going to give it to you, but you're going to have to deal with the repercussions of what else can come with it. And I know there should be some sort of regulation, but I just don't think that the NCAA ultimately cares right now that things are going on. Um, and another thing I wanted to to kind of touch on is, you know, these guys can take the upfront, you know, bling, bling cash in your face, but you can get an NIL deal and you can get an education for Notre Dame from Notre Dame. And those two combined could potentially, you know, outweigh, you know, whatever sum of money that someone's going to give you in the long term, of course, right? Like upfront, it's not going to be the same. But to me, I, I think that's got to be what Marcus Freeman is trying to sell these guys on is, you know, I, yes, these, these, these schools are giving you all this cash up front. But I want you to think of the bigger picture and the longevity of the rest of your life and what Notre Dame can set up for you in the future. Yeah. The, the, the thing about the NCAA and whether or not they saw this coming, the NCAA had this shoved down their throat because for years and years and years, this was an issue that was brought up and they did things, you know, like make kids, you know, who, you know, I, there was there was like, well, I. My memory is basically my, my point is. The NCAA never wanted this. And because state legislators, you know, started basically enacting their own laws, the NCAA was forced to go along right. with this because it started to go through, you know, the, the legal system is, is where it was all heading. They never got ahead of it. Like they, you know, again, like there were there were plenty of times where they had a chance to address this, but because they just turned and looked the other way and said, this is not going to happen on our watch and you can squarely blame mark emmert for this because you know he just basically took fat paychecks and and nobody knows exactly what the guy did but they had it forced down their throat they had no way to regulate any of it and here we are a year and a half later this is this is what we're left with basically because the ncaa never wanted this and this was this was my this was the thing that i talked about all along when they were proposing this and leading up to this how are you going to regulate it when it comes to recruiting? And nobody has any idea how to regulate it right now. And I saw, I think it was Tommy that said, you know, Brian hasn't tweeted about a decommitment. You're right. Technically, there is no decommitment right now. But again, Marcus Freeman is is still working on trying to right. keep Peyton Bowen somehow. And, you know, doing the best that he can. I... I Basically, based on everything we're hearing, I would think that if the flip comes, it's going to happen on signing day. You know, you're going to see a cap or, you know, whatever, at a little ceremony, you know, so that he can put the, you know, pick up the hat or whatever and put it on his head and, and do that kind of stuff. I'm thinking that that's probably when we're going to see it at this point. Yeah, it's, and it's going to be, I mean, just prepare yourself for disappointment. That way, if something happens, it's good, then that's great. And we can all be excited about that. But just prepare yourself for disappointment. I mean, $2 million, and that's the, the reported amount, right? That's a lot of money. I mean, and I get that. It's a lot of money to turn down. It's ridiculous that they're offering kids this kind of money, but that's a lot of money. And that's life-changing money. That's generational money, if I'm being yeah. honest. If somebody offered me a $2 million check, I'd have a hard time turning it down. So I get it. I don't have to like it, but I do get it. And, you know... I agree with Crystal that says, you know, the problem is if we don't get them out of high school, then if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're not going to get them unless they're a grad transfer because of everything that Notre Dame is and what they stand for. You're right. right. You're not. And that's part of the problem, right? The issue is teams with deep pockets who are willing to write those checks are going to get scattered big names. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep them. So where do they go the second time around? That's a big question mark because yeah. – Ohio State's not giving the big empty checks, I don't think. Michigan's not giving the big empty checks or, you know, the blank checks. There's a lot of schools out there that aren't doing that, right? And they're still having success. That's 50% of the people that are in the Final Four right now. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes and what this looks like. We still have such a small sample size of NIL kids to see where they're going. I mean, look at Quinn Ewers, for example. He's all about NIL. He's already on his second school. Right. You know, so, I mean, again, that's just an example. And then you got all the Texas A&M kids that are in the, in the portal. So I don't know. It just changes 
everything about college football and not really for the better, in my opinion. Yeah. And Brent says you can't give a high school player a million dollars. Well, technically, you're still not supposed to give them a million dollars. Not but like they're doing it. I mean, yeah. the, you're not like they're doing they it. They found yeah. a way to skirt the system. Right. Yeah, is, is Absolutely. What, and that's why no one's going to admit to it up front because you're not supposed to have it until you're on campus, actually a member of the team. And, you know, Notre Dame has a pretty good NIL system in place from, you know, based on everything that we hear, but they're never going to go, they're never going to resort to this, to use, you know, this kind of money, especially as an enticement and inducement to get the kid on campus before they've ever stepped right. foot on campus and, and signed the dotted line. You know, Notre Dame is treating NIL the way it is supposed to be. You earn your NIL endorsements through your play and through the way, the, you know, what you do at Notre Dame, you know, and I have no problem with that. I'm sorry. I have no problem with that. Earn what you get, you know, earn what you get. Yep. All right. How about someone who's been in school for a few years? Michael Mayer. And Todd McShay of ESPN is currently projecting Mayer to be the first pass catcher selected in the NFL draft. McShay's current mock has Mayer picked ahead of all of the wide receivers in the 2023 draft. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what chance do you give that to actually happen? I guess I'll start first on this one. I Overall, I give this a, on a scale of 1 to 10. Probably a seven out of 10. I feel very solid about Michael Mayer and his ability as a pass catcher. Um, I just, unfortunately, you can only make so many projections uh, when it comes to draft order. And it seems like things often kind of get, you know, blown up on the actual night of the draft. But a lot of what I was looking at is, you know, who what's that potential order going to look like? It looks like Houston's going to end up with the first pick. The Bears will be up there. Um, I believe Seattle will be up there via uh, the, the, their, the pick that they got for Russell Wilson, uh, the Cardinals will be up there. The Eagles will be up there from a pick that they got with New Orleans, the Colts, the Falcons, the Raiders. So I started looking at, you know, what kind of fit he would be on any of those teams. And you can start to get rid of, you know, the Falcons cause they got, they have pits. Uh, you can get rid of Chicago because they recently, you know, drafted commit. So I, I think that there's a definite possibility. And I think, you know, a dark horse would be actually, potentially the Eagles up there, which is so painful to say, maybe and, even the Colts, the Raiders. So I can see him going up there. Um, it just all depends, I guess. It's, it's too early to ultimately say for me. Just for, you know, just for clarification's sake, McShay has him going at number 12 to Houston. And I think it's because Houston has multiple picks there in the first round. So he's got him going to Houston with their second pick of the first round. Because like you said, they're going to end up picking first overall. I, I was actually going to put it at a seven as well, because when I look at the, because that's a twofold situation, it's fit for Michael Mayer on the team, but then it's also, what does the wide receiver class look like? And yeah. I'm looking at the wide receivers that are draft eligible, the ones that have declared or whatever. And to be honest with you, none of the, I mean, you got the kid from TCU, obviously, Quentin Johnston, right? You, you got Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison, who is, Okay, um, you got the kid from Washington. You got the kid from Tennessee. Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. I, I just, none of these guys jump out to me and say, that kid's a lock to be a really good NFL player. You know what I mean? And Michael Mayer is a lock at being a good NFL player. And then you also look at, okay, you've got Travis Kelsey, for example. You've got Rob Gronkowski. You've got some of these tight ends that you almost base your entire offense around. And the mismatches at tight end are so much better than the mismatches at wide receiver. I just think you can do more with Michael Mayer. So when you look at the draft class for the wide receivers and you look at Michael Mayer, I'm sorry. I think Michael Mayer is going to be the first one off the board. I I put this at a seven as well, like the chances that it will actually happen. And first and foremost, you know, I love Michael Mayer. And, you know, like McShay in his evaluation talks about how Mayer is basically already, you know, he looks like a third-year NFL veteran playing college football, uh, you know, against college guys. And, you yeah. know, he likes his physicality, likes his instincts in the past game. But he does say he, he lacks elite speed. And, I mean, if there's a knock on Michael Mayer, I think that's it. It's the speed. Okay. You know, like if you start comparing them to the Kelseys and Gronkowskis, he's a gear or two lower 
than those guys. And, you know, again, like that doesn't mean he, he can't be a great NFL tight end or at least a really good NFL tight end, you know, like, like Jesse, you know, like our guy, Jason Witten was not a blazer by any means, but like, you know, Michael Mayer, like Jason Witten, Mayer knows how to get open. You know, those are some of the things that McShay is talking about. So I think, you know, just what you guys are talking about, it's, it's about fit. It's about what else these teams have right. around him. Do they already have like a set of receivers? Like if I'm looking at Houston and I'm going to draft a quarterback, number one, potentially overall, which you would expect that they're going to do, they don't have a lot of receivers stacked up right now. So I would think that they would pair up a receiver with a quarterback before they would pair up a tight end, you know, because there's a lot of things that Michael Mayer is going to do well once he gets to the combine here in a couple of months. I'm really curious to see what that 40 time looks like, because like it or not, that 40 time, you know, that's what sticks in these guys' minds. And how much is that 40 time going to affect him? I still think he's going to be a first round guy someplace, but I would have a hard time seeing him go ahead of all these other wide receivers that are being talked about right now. I think the biggest thing that Michael Mayer has going for him compared to the rest of the class is that he can provide you almost an extra offensive alignment with his blocking ability. So if he can find a fit with a team like Indianapolis or Tennessee or someone, you know, someone who uses kind of more of that power run scheme, I think that that's going to be more of a fit compared to like a Kansas City team or, or, or just teams that are essentially going to spread you out. Because I, I agree with what you said, Kelsey, he's not like Kelsey and Mayer's biggest difficulty is how is he going to be able to break people off in open space? Like, how is he going to be able to cut off cornerbacks and create enough separation at the NFL level? I think that's the only thing that knocks him, but he can make up for that with a scheme that is, you know, has him in more inline blocking and more of like a power run scheme type situation. Yeah. Play action, that kind of stuff. Yeah. There you go. I still like Michael Mayer against Mayer. The vast majority of DBs in this league. <laughs> no, I, oh, I do sure. too. I just, I just think that's his. If he has a defect, that's what it, it's going to be. Is you know being able to to constantly break people off with his route running skills. Right, but if he can sit at those chains and pick up first downs all day, again, you know, like a guy like like Witten used to do. I mean, the guy, you know, again, not a blazing type guy, but he's he's going to end up. Sometimes all it all it is is you just sit your big body down in front of a, a small yeah. DB right at the knows sticks. how to find the <laughs> openings. He, he has he has kind of that sixth sense. He has that feel of where he's supposed to be. You know, now again, like when you look at this year's offense, the way he was, you know, defenses tried to take him out, but sometimes his quarterback, you know, did, didn't recognize that or just didn't care, it can become an issue. But again, when you get to the next level and you've got a couple, you know, receivers around you and you've got an NFL quarterback who hopefully knows what he's doing. You know, that's the other thing, too, is like it's going to be better for him if he falls a little bit. You know, it's like the, the money's always a little bit better, obviously, the sure. higher you get picked. But the second you, contract, though. Yeah. But once you you know, like you get picked around 15th in that 15 to 20, you're going to be with a little bit better team and you've probably got a little bit better quarterback to throw you the football. All right, which is the worst rule? NFL roughing the passer or college football targeting? This this one, while they are both terrible, <laughs> terrible, and I could make a case going either direction, it's got to be the targeting rule in college football because it is so – I don't think – I think you could go from coach to coach to coach to coach or even referee to referee – and you're going to get a different explanation on what it's supposed to be and how to enforce it and what it looks like live. That's the problem. The NFL issue is that they're just trying to protect quarterbacks and they don't want anybody to get hurt, so it's ridiculous. The college rule is nobody knows what it is, and that's a huge problem. So it's got to be the college one for me. <laughs> I, I Like Vince, I think both are, are pretty horrible, but – I would say that what makes targeting even even harder is it affects other positions outside of the quarterback, right? And so you see it on a more you see more of it because there's a there's more of a chance that it can happen. And I, I think that the hardest part about targeting in college is, and we've seen it before, these guys get kicked out and then have to sit out half a game, and we're still sitting there wondering, is that even a targeting call? And I think that's what also, you know, 
contributes to the to, to that rule not being good is that guys have to you know sit out time and, and potentially it's it's just a, a solid hard clean tackle and so when you when your team gets penalized and then you also you know have to lose a half of football I think that's what tips the scale for me and, and like Vince said it just seems like a lot of the NFL roughing the passer is protecting the quarterback and I'm assuming this stems from Bosa's hit last night on Gino yeah. on the pick six, where it's just like, how? What is the guy supposed to do? Just pick him up pick and six gently, got overturned. Yeah, yeah, gently right. set him on the ground, or you know what? And, and and that's the thing is they're both just so bad, and so I just there needs to be some sort of clarity and groundwork that everyone is on an equal yeah. understanding of what what needs to be you know called. Yeah. I mean, they basically decided they don't want defenders bringing their body weight down on top of quarterbacks. Essentially, because you know, like in part because you don't want a guy, you know, like an injury like Tyler Buckner had, where like if the body weight is coming down and a yeah. quarterback happens to be falling down on his shoulder, boom, all of a sudden the shoulder pops. Obviously, they want to protect quarterbacks because those are the biggest investment on the field. Those are the stars of the game, and they want their stars out there every week. I mean, it, it, it all started with the Tom Brady knee injury. What's that been? 15, 16 years ago, and that's where we are right now. It's all about protecting quarterbacks. I get it. I agree with what Jesse said. It's it, it, And this is what I've said all along with targeting. The ejection that comes with it makes it the worst rule because, one, it is called so inconsistently mm-hmm. by college officials. You know, Even with the, the aid of replay, they still don't know what they're looking at and what they're calling, it seems like, half the time. And then you get an ejection along with it. Uh, I'll you know my point all along is if you want to have a targeting penalty in college, have a targeting penalty. The first time in a game, it is just a 15-yard penalty. It is a typical personal foul the first time you do it in a game. If the same player does it a second time in a game, then it's an ejection. If they feel like an ejection has to be part of it. I just feel like it is too steep for something that is so subjective from official to official and replay yeah. booth to replay booth. It's that that that's why to me it's the worst rule. JD Bertrand missed like two straight games because yeah. of because of those ridiculous penalties. I mean, it's just I don't know. It, it it's not a good system at all and the penalty is way too harsh. So it's like a combination of the two, you know what I mean? It's just Right. The replays never agree with what's happening on the field and you just you can't even get, like at least in the NFL when they're going to a replay, you can pretty much agree that, you know, they get it right and, and it's going to be what it is. When it when replay goes for college, when it goes to replay, it's like pff, flip a coin. I mean, you never know what's going to happen here. There's it, too much subjectivity. It's, you oh, know, it's like they're, they, they're replacing your it's it's not supposed to be a subjective thing. You know, when when whatever gets replayed in the booth, it's supposed to be black and white. Either it clearly is or it clearly isn't. But in college any replay and that's you know it's again that's why i'd like to see the replay system reduced and just basically go to what the nfl has for the replay system as well you shouldn't have so many replays in college when they don't know how to use the system that they have why why would that be difficult they literally have an example uh hey nfl (laughs) can you send us the rules for replay we'd like to institute that at the college level Thanks, man. Like, how, why is that difficult? It's I know. not difficult. Terrible. I'll even I'll even throw in the money for the red hankies. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's get this thing right. And you know, you know, Vince is serious if he's offering to pay for anything. <laughs> so what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, fill in the blank. It's blank that Drew Brees has been hired as an interim assistant coach for Purdue's Citrus Bowl <laughs> against LSU. Vince doesn't like this, but I think it's a match made in heaven for someone like Drew Brees. Obviously, he went there. He's post-retirement. He can't figure out what he wants to do. He's already, you know, given up on the broadcasting gig. I think this is a very good segue to see if Drew Brees, you know, potentially might want to get into coaching and at what level that he wants to do it. And what better way to do it at your alma mater when the team got kind of left high and dry before their bowl game? And you could be an interim head coach. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think it's a great fit. And I think it allows Drew Brees to kind of figure out, again, what, what he potentially might want to do going forward. I think this could spark a big interest in, in, in for Drew Brees. Jesse Stiers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, I know that Purdue's arrival and all that stuff, and it has and, nothing to do with it. And Drew Brees is a, you know, it's a Hall of Fame quarterback we're talking about here. It's a is, PR stunt. This is a, this is a PR legacy. stunt. No, Jesse. it's not a PR stunt. They're letting him recruit as well. Yes, he's, let, an he's allowed to recruit. Coach, which, I mean, you talk about an inducement. They're letting a a, a future Hall of Famer yes. join the the staff on an interim basis, and he gets to recruit. I'm sorry, Explain you don't get that. To, you don't get to cut your teeth at the Division One Big Ten level to see if you want to coach. He's <laughs> earned that. He's that is earned insulting that. Insulting to He's the rest of that. us who are coaching and doing He's our thing. It. We had to cut our teeth coaching freshman football <laughs> or little league. Or whatever he just gets, he doesn't earned it. He earned, he's a good player. He's earned to be in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't earn being a coach. A, those are two completely different scenarios. I'm sorry, it's ridiculous. I would be I would be more upset if Purdue is actually good at football and they're not. And they're not going to be anytime soon. But here's the problem: he's not a coach. He's a dad. He's an average commentator, and he's a really good quarterback. You're not. No, he's a below average commentator. Okay, I'm sorry. well. All right, fair enough. But you're not a coach. You don't get to cut your teeth for a month. You know, hey, you know what? I hope he's a really, really good coach and they beat the crap out of LSU, okay? <laughs> but it's it's a PR stunt, 100%. 100%. I think That's it's all a it PR is. stunt, but I think, again, I, it allows Drew Brees. I, I think that we could seriously see him coach again after this. I, I will retort and retracts my statements if he just comes in and never coaches again. And then I would agree it was just a huge PR stunt. I think it's a big PR stunt as well. I mean, what else has Purdue got going for him? Nothing, right? I mean, their they're quarterback, you know, their Brom left. He, he goes to Louisville. Their quarterback's declared for the NFL draft. Talking they might about as well the, the Big Ten West champions here. I don't – they got, they got <laughs> something know. going for him. You're right. Yeah, they're, they're good. exactly right. They're good. <laughs> but, I, you know – I guess I should back off because they're going to be allowed to take their big drum to their Citrus Bowl <laughs> game and they'll be able to bang their drum all day because obviously that's what's the most important when it comes to football games. As long as you're allowed to bang your drum, your world is in a good place, I guess. So they've got Drew Brees and they've got their drum. Good luck in the Citrus Bowl. I, I agree with Vince. I think it's all a, uh, just a publicity stunt. I would be absolutely shocked if he's on the staff for the fall of 23. Absolutely shocked. And to be honest with you, if I'm the head coach, the new head coach at Purdue, I don't even know what his name is. I can't, I they haven't been following it that closely. If I'm the new head coach at Purdue, I'm going to be pretty upset, to be honest with you, if I'm forced to keep him on as the quarterback's coach or whatever role <laughs> that he has, because I want somebody that can coach. I don't know if he can coach or not. I don't well, know. So the Jeff Saturday was, was a PR. What if he ends up being a decent coach? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe he is. He seems like a bored rich guy to me. I mean, broadcasting yeah. didn't work out. And exactly. now it's like, Hey, Hey, <laughs> exactly. If he wants to cut his teeth, being the head coach of a high school or something, go for it, man. See if you like it. Yeah. But nah, it's ridiculous. at least Jeff Saturday cut his teeth doing that before he yeah. <laughs> skirted. How's that, worked out for, how's that worked out for the Colts? Great story, I guess, but that's a PR stunt too. And but everybody was life. fired up when they beat the Raiders, man. Yeah, they, they were beat the Raiders. Yes, they were. Yep. Okay, so the University of California Board of Regents has officially approved UCLA's move to the Big Ten. I don't know if you heard, but like this was kind of up in the air for a while whether it was actually going to happen. But one of the conditions in the approval of UCLA's move is a so-called Berkeley tax, where UCLA would have to contribute between $2 million and $10 million of its Big Ten TV revenue annually to support fellow system member Cal's athletic department. So UCLA gets to go, but you get to, you know, you've got to pay a tax every year to help pay Cal's athletic department budget, apparently. So the board is going to have the authority to determine what the exact amount is after the PEC 12 finalizes its media deal. So what do you guys think of this? I think there's a lot of Cal Berkeley uh, people on the board. That's what <laughs> I think, because this is ridiculous. I mean, 
I guess I get it, but I don't understand. Well, I guess what I don't understand is how those two things go together, right? I guess they're saying the Pac-12 media deal is going to be much less without UCLA and USC, so they're not going to get as much money for UC Berkeley as they would have if they were actually in the Pac-12 when they come up for their next rights deal. Well, Maybe yeah. that's the, the angle that they're taking. Because like right now, they're in the Pac-12 together, and so whatever the Pac-12 was getting, like UCLA and Cal each get this share, but apparently that money goes into a pool to help the entire Cal system which is like 16 members uh, apparently because the vote was 11 to 5 there were five who voted against it and i would imagine you yeah <laughs> but oh the money only goes to berkeley it doesn't go to anywhere else uh because that makes it very even more interesting that, that yeah. makes it even more interesting to be honest with you uh you know what i don't uh I think it's I think it's a little petty. I think it's a little ridiculous if they want to go be a part of a different conference that they have no business being in. Let them go. I mean, that's that's fine. Uh, I I think that they have to pay another school is very odd. I just think that's an odd thing to come up with. I, I I I'm not a fan of it to be honest with you. And I have no love lost for UCLA or USC or anybody out there. But I just think that's a little ridiculous. Vince hates everybody. Vince that's Vince is just like an equal opportunity hater. It's true when it when it comes down to it. Very few people that I enjoy. I think Drew Brees should go coach at Cal. That would be the perfect place for it. <laughs> yeah, ultimately, I think what this has to do with is the you know the 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 the, the UC. How do I put it? The, like the the all of the California is upset that they want to take you know their business elsewhere, right? Like you're essentially saying you have this kind of West Coast business, and now you're moving it to the to the Midwest centralized location in the United States. And it's, that's what basically what it says. It sounds like is, okay, if you're going to take away from our kind of quote unquote, California money that we want kind of the, the repercussions or, or the difference to yeah. be paid, because you're not just going to, you know, leave the West coast and take all this money with you too, and leave us, or you know, leave us in the dust, like, like where you're just, you know, no longer any, any good X or something like that. So to me, it just sounds like they are kind of butthurt about the fact that they're going to be taking the this money and attention away from the West Coast and shifting it more towards the Central America area. Yeah, got to come up with that Midwest money. I think it's a very strange arrangement. It's like yeah. never heard of anything like this with any of these other like, you know, schools have obviously shifted conferences and everything else all the time. It's like and there's a lot know, of public schools out there that are in conferences and they're not all in the same conference. Right. I don't know. It just seems odd to me. I right. don't know. They're exploiting the situation. Okay, so we've got a few bonus questions that have popped Ooh. up throughout the course of the show. Brent started off, Al Washington, this was when we were talking about re the recruiting stuff, I think. He says, Al Washington, his D-line regressed. He lost Keeley, Davis Swain, uh, Lacey, Lacey. etc., would you summarize Washington as a definite coach on the early hot seat? What do you think about this, Vince? Who's the et cetera? Because you named off everybody I think that he's lost. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think that there's some pressure on him, for sure. I, I think he's underachieved at this point, both on the field and off the field, as far as recruiting is concerned. And, you know, I think that if you haven't performed, then you are – then. I hate the word hot seat. Like that's not my favorite term in the, on the planet, but he's going to have to step his game up. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And if he doesn't, then Marcus Freeman needs to go find somebody else that will. I mean, and again, it's nothing against Al Washington, but I don't think he's lived up to the billing if I'm being honest. And so of all the assistant coaches on the staff right now, I think he is the one with the most pressure on him moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with what a lot of Vince is saying there. But for me, I just don't think anyone deserves to be on the hot seat after just kind of one season. If this is if this is a, a reoccurring theme throughout this next season um, and we continue maybe to not continue, but we see kind of, you know, decline in play in a defensive line that's been a very strong unit for Notre Dame the past, you know, however many years, I then think that, then yeah, there is a potential that he could be on the hot seat. But of all the coaches out there right now, I think that, he does have the biggest question mark next to his name in terms of, you know, what he's doing recruiting, what he's going to be able to do performance wise. Now that some of these, you know, Foskey's going to be gone. Lacey's gone. Some of these, these guys who have been around for a while, you're, you're going to start seeing new 
blood in there. And it, it all kind of depends for me, at least how these, the new blood performs before I come away with any takeaway about Mr. Washington. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely on the fan hot seat and it doesn't help when you've got this other stuff circulating around sure. and then it just, you know, makes you kind of lament the Keeley stuff even more. And then you go, Oh, Lacey too. And you know, you know, Swain, you know, all that. It adds up. Thing. So, I mean, yeah. it adds up. Everything yeah. in a vacuum is di- is one thing, but when you've got all of these different things, and and I think you and I talked about it on Monday, but the defensive lines play on the field outside of like Isaiah Foskey and maybe Jason Adam Alola. It wasn't fantastic, right? Riley Mills, I think, underachieved this year. I think you could you could say that about some other guys. I think as a whole, I wasn't all that impressed with the wide with the excuse me, I put well, in the chat with the with the defensive line room. I just wasn't. No, I wasn't either. And, and both of those guys are going to be gone next year. So pressure's going to be on. With Who's going to be gone next year? Foskey I'm, and Adam Alola. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I missed Okay, what you were, who you were <laughs> referring to there. It's okay. No, I mean, one thing we're going to find out about Marcus Freeman, and I, and I wouldn't expect him to just, okay, well, you know, you had a bad year. Now you're gone. You know, that that kind of thing. But you're absolutely right. He's, Washington's going to have to up his game in both recruiting and on the field with, you know, the technical stuff that he is teaching those defensive linemen, because I agree there was some underachievement this year. Um, but we're going, you know, like, like Del Alec, Del Alexander's name got brought up. Jeff Quinn got brought, you know, has been brought up before, not in this specific chat, but those, those are like the two who we saw who were allowed to underperform for more long. than just a year. For yeah. Too long. And the former head coach would not make a move. And so that's going to be kind of interesting to watch as we evaluate Marcus Freeman going forward as well. Yeah. Is, you know, does he pull the trigger on some mm-hmm. things like this sooner than maybe his predecessor did? You know? and, I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull the trigger this offseason. I wouldn't. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't. Would, I would give him another year. year for sure. You know, yeah. let's see how the recruiting cycle goes. Let's see how 23 goes, you know, when you don't have Foskey and Adam Alola to kind of headline the whole thing, right? Let's see how things go. Now, if it stays the way it is, then we have a hard discussion, you know, but I would not put him out after one year. Right. Keith asks, can Notre Dame pull scholarships of players on the team already, if not contributing before they graduate because of getting down to 85. Technically, yes, they can, but Notre Dame will never do that. They will. Vince? Uh, no, go ahead. I, okay, I'll, I'll I thought finish. you were going to disagree there, but yeah. I, no, I'm going to let you finish, and then I'm going to have a counterpoint. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's basically not what Notre Dame does. They don't pull scholarships, you know, across the board, you know, in whatever sport it happens to be. But – like the conversations that Marcus Freeman has, like the blunt conversations about this is where you are going forward, that is to nudge some of these guys so that potentially scholarships don't have to be pulled so they make the decision on their own. And there's, I've heard that there's going to be some opportunities for some other players within the university as well, um, where they might not be part of the football team. You know, we'll see how uh, things shake out. Like but, you keep your scholarship or you keep, you know, whatever. Right. And, and it's whispers. Like, I don't know if any of it is actually true. Right. But the bottom line is they're not going to kick them out of school for not being a good football player. Right. 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 So that's that's the bottom line. And I think that's what Keith is probably getting at. But they are going to find ways to get under the 85 or under 86, I should say, uh, with the guys that they want to be there. Right. How about that? We should go in and go ahead and address this. <laughs> David got in late, and I'm sure some other people did as well. Is Bowen gone yet? No, there is no decommitment as of right now. But everything we're hearing is it is still going to be an uphill climb for Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame to be able to keep Peyton Bowen yeah. as a part of this class. That's what it sounds like. It's unfortunate, but that's what it sounds like. Yeah, right. And again, I don't think <laughs> – and you know, I, I could be completely wrong on this, but just based on the way as tight-lipped as everyone has been about this, it just feels like Wednesday's going to roll around. Yeah, there's going to be some ceremony at his school. He'll have the hats out there, or you know, whatever, and he'll put on you know whichever hat that he decides to put on. 
at that point. Hmm. Brent wants to know, speaking of Bertrand, and we were talking about Bertrand earlier, who are the three starting linebackers in 2023 for Notre Dame? Collie, Sneed, Maris. <laughs> really? Yep. Hmm. There's no reason that Maris is out there all this time without – He's building up his experience. As bad as he's been in, in some situations, I think that he's building a – that they like a lot about him, and I think that he's going to be able to instinctually play better next season because of the experience that he's getting. And then I think Snead and Kali just have to be out there just because of, you know, <laughs> who they are, their speed, what they bring to the table. I don't think I don't think you could go another season without those guys being on the field. That's very interesting. Uh, so you said Sneed, Kali, and Marist. Those are the three? That's what my three would be. Okay. I would say Sneed, Kali, and JD, if I'm being honest. And if it's not JD, I think that Junior deserves an opportunity in the middle. I've heard that he's practicing at Viper. I do not like that in any way, uh, but I'm not coaching him up every day. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would be willing to just go with the three young guys, take your lumps, and because I think those lumps would create some pretty darn good linebacker play moving forward. I would go with those three uh, just based on athletic ability and a whole another year within the program and everything else. And then you've got, you know, JD's going to play. Uh, Kaiser's going to play, but they, and Marist is going to play, but they're not, I, I wouldn't start them. Yeah. You said, Sneed, Collie, Bertrand, that's who I would go with. Is there, There's no way J.D. Bertrand's not going to start I agree. next year. You hear everything Al Golden says about him. You know, you can see deficiencies. Al Golden loves him. There's, yes. I just don't see it happening, you know. He's not – they would not keep him around if he was not going to be a starter next year. No. I just don't see it. And I think Sneed, like if he can turn into, a, you know, a rover, you know, like that's that's what his body – is built yes. to do that kind of thing. Be a rover, you know, kind of in that Awusu Koromoa kind of mold, you know, much more athletic than what they've had in the last couple of years since Awusu Koromoa has been gone. I just, you know, the other two, I don't know exactly, you know, I guess, you know, they would be depth. I tend to agree with you, like Leofau's skill set seems to be more along the lines of that Viper where like you, you're rushing off the edge, but you can also drop into coverage mm -hmm. a little bit, play a little bit of space and just not get, not get burned so much with, yeah. with your run fits and stuff like that, because the instinct less to read. Yeah, exactly. Less to read. Less is more with Marist. I think he can be very effective for you uh, on the team, but it's less is more, man. And I think you can put, you know, somebody else there, uh, like a, a Jalen Sneed, who I think you're going to get more production out of. I've, Spark was asking about Tyson Ford. I believe his name was brought up. Hang on, I've got my notebook right here. I think that that was a name Al Golden mentioned the other day. Let me double check this. I mean, he was a true freshman, obviously, and it's very difficult to play as a true freshman on either side of the line. He did. He mentioned Sneed, Ford, and Anye specifically the mm. other day when he was talking about young guys, you know, and like kind of making cases for themselves and stuff like nice. that. But the other thing that he said was um, like those four practices that they had last week going into finals, that that was basically going to be the big opportunity for these young guys to make their case because now you're, you're out of finals. You're, you're transitioning into South Carolina game prep, later bowl prep now. So those young guys had their chance to kind of show whether or not, you know, maybe they could earn some more reps, I think in this game prep a little bit, but once it gets to game prep time, it's game prep time. Yeah. So, yep. but I, I think Tyson Ford is still, you know, someone definitely to, oh, to keep an eye on radar. going forward. Still Absolutely. A young There's going to be plenty of opportunity for Tyson Ford to be, an integral part in this defensive line. No doubt about that. Yep. All right. Well, I think that that is it for tonight. The special rapid fire. We've only, we only got a couple of name suggestions tonight, the heat zone and Friday IB bullets. I saw Tommy ask earlier if um, Tom Noy answered his question last night. I don't remember. I don't remember what the question was. 
and whether or not he answered it. But excuse me, if you have any, Jesse, can you uh, put that screen back up once again so we can show that that uh, what do you what do you call this thing that we're looking at here? It's a print. It's a print. print. There you go. I know there's a fancy name for it. <laughs> print. <laughs> it's a print. It's a print. So if you if you pick the name that we end up going with on this show, you will win this fancy Golden Dome print, which was uh, beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's really good looking. Painted by one of the uh, one of the listeners to this show. I like Anthony's. Uh, he 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 got one in. I wrote it down. Friday Night Heat. That kind of sounds pretty ringy. Friday Night Heat to me. I like okay. that one. All right. Well, good stuff, Friday Night Heat crew. <laughs> Where do we go with that? Oh, yeah, there was one more question. I forgot. We'll get this one oh, real quick. It. Do it. College football reporter Nicole Auerbach says she once watched the late Mike Leach put ice in his beer. Have either of you ever thrown ice cubes in your beer? Never have. Never will. Won't be doing it later tonight. Won't be doing it the day after that day. Uh, yeah, there's just, there's never going to be ice cubes in my, in my beer. I, I either pour the, the beer cold and drink it in time that it's no longer has, you know, the chance to be warm or have a, 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 a chilled glass. So other than that, I, I'm not going with ice in my beer. I never have, but I, I, I'm trying to put myself in a situation where I've got a warm one. What would I do? When am I going to, am I going to waste it? Or am I going to throw a couple of cubes in there and cool it up again? And you don't have the chilled mug at your go-to. You don't have it. It's not available. So what do you do? I don't know. I'm not opposed to it. But then you start thinking about watered down. You better drink that thing fast so that the cubes aren't <laughs> melting. That's the thing. I, The first time I ever saw someone do this, I saw Muffet McGraw do it. Someplace really? back on the East Coast. Yes, I saw Muffet. Put a, a couple ice and I looked at that and I was like, what is she doing? But it's just what you're talking about right there. If you're out in an establishment and they give you, you know, like a, a glass that feels like it just got out of a hundred degree, you know, you know, dishwasher. And the, so the glass is hot and the beer is not particularly cold. I like my beverage as cold yes. as possible. Absolutely. And so. If if it's if it's too warm and I've got my glass of water there, I'll throw a couple cubes in there and kind of stir it up a little bit. So you've Not done afraid it. to do it. You've done I have it. done it before. Okay. Have done it for that okay. very reason. The beer is too warm and I want it at least a little bit colder. You're not going to pour it drinking. out, I mean, right? That, that's alcohol abuse. You're not going to pour it out. Apparently, this is a big thing in Southeast Asia. Like this is a very common thing in Southeast Asia. Beer really? or uh, ice in your beer? Beer on ice, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with Jay Wick, though. A little rum and coke with the ice. I will take that over a beer any day of the week. Not a beer guy. See, I'm not a rum guy. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a rum guy by any means. And I'm not a, actually, I'm not much of a, like, as far as alcohol, it's tequila and vodka are, you know, mm. the two that I would. Look at you. <laughs> I love a, a rum and coke all day. Look at Jesse. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. I've jotted down a few of these name suggestions tonight. I appreciate you bringing them in. Be sure to hit the like button on your way out if you haven't already done it or just do it again if it lets you. Jameson on ice and Guinness. There like, we go. Together? Like, is that like, like, no. okay. David knows. Oh, so it's David like knows. Jameson on ice in one hand, Guinness in the other hand. Is that Double kind of this thing? Yeah. The Guinness becomes water, at, you know, just a dark water. All right. Interesting. Interesting. I think I'd still just rather have a couple ice cubes and a yingling. I can't know, do the so. dark beers, man. It just doesn't. Uh, can't do it. Dark beers. That's where the flavor is, Vince. It's where the flavor is. I know the flavor of beer. Like I can't. I'm not a big fan of beer. So. Yeah. Well, I guess if you don't like. When you enhance the flavor of, beer, of coffee, it makes it even worse because I hate yeah. coffee too. So. All right, everybody, have a good weekend. We'll be back Monday. Guys, appreciate it as always. I will talk to you later. Ivy Nation Sports Talk.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.